The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization and Googleization Nation. Uh, unless you are inundated by applicants just wanting to get into your company and those applications are coming from top talent or you just don't care about candidate experience, uh, then you can kind of turn off and not listen to us. But if you do, if you're not getting top talent, if you're not getting enough applicants, uh, if you're having trouble retaining pe- em- your employees, then uh, this is the show for you. We got a great lineup. Uh, we've got uh, Debbie Levitt today, uh, who just wrote a book called Delta CX. She's got a great model. Uh, she's been my mentor and my curse on customer <laughs> and on candidate experience and customer experience. I thought I knew what it was until I met Debbie about two years ago. And she's, I mean, it's like every day I just learn something new. So uh, welcome to the rabbit hole of candidate experience and uh, or, or CX, as, as she calls it. Um, Keith. Um, you and I spent two days together. We, we haven't seen each other in weeks. Right, right. We call, It was funny the first day. We were like, wait a minute. How the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, 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 well, we know what we're doing. Because we, we do communicate. But uh, we right. were at the Lehigh Valley SHRM meeting, uh, or as yeah. the one person said, SHRM. SHRM. Uh, that was <laughs> the, great. The, the we shrimp, had SHRM yeah. and cannabis in the room at one time for an HR yeah, that was a that was a yeah, it was an amazing talk. It was uh, the, the Lehigh Valley Sherm's uh, annual meeting. Um, they actually have a waiting list of people to get in. There's uh, like 250 people there, a lot of vendors. Um, first day, uh, well, you know, it's talking about legal things. I mean, they were talking about legal topics, compliance. Uh, you know, the first uh, speaker was on FSLA, um, and you know, you you think it's it's a lot of it's pretty boring. A couple of the speakers were pretty entertaining, entertaining, you know, and then they had a lot of breakouts for, for all the attendees. Um, but yeah, it closed with the topic about cannabis and, uh, you know, I heard the first part, unfortunately I had to leave and, um, uh, do a couple things, but it was, uh, you know, a, a great explanation by a physician of, of where that was. And, and, uh, yeah, it's just one more of the challenges. And, and as you said, Hey, we got to get these people on, we got to, we got to have a show about cannabis in the workplace, yep. not just about cannabis, but, 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 uh, the implications of that, which are enormous, many, and there are, you know, there are a lot of benefits, uh, but there are a lot of challenges. So if there's anybody out there, um, that is an expert in the area, certainly uh, let us know. Uh, you can go up to uh, our LinkedIn profiles. You can go up to geekskeezersgoogleization.com, uh, you know, submit a request, um, and we'll get you scheduled. So, again, anybody that's got uh, pro, pro or con, uh, legal experts, um, you know, just let us know. I mean, it'd be a great topic. But it was, it was a good day. You, you, I know you yeah. made a lot of contacts. Uh, I made a lot of contacts. Uh, now we got to get back and, and try to apply them. 
You know, and it's it's really interesting to me. Here we are talking with Debbie about the customer experience, and any more with the way that you know, and it almost sounds like we don't have to keep saying it, but the way that the talent marketplace now is driving the behavioral organization, and that means both as candidates and as employees, you see the idea of who really is the most important customer to an organization. You know, I've, you, we both know um, Kevin Grossman and all the stuff him and Jerry Crispin are doing at the over at the talent board. They have put together a almost back of the napkin, uh, like a project process where you, if you have a, re, you know, a retail organization or really any company that the people that you are looking to employ could very well be your customers. They have a process that shows how if you do the candidate experience the wrong way, you will have a, I think it's a 13%, you run a risk of losing 13% of the, the people as paying customers. And the first time, the first time I sat down and actually heard of this, you kind of wonder how much that translates into tangible revenue. But the guy sitting next to me was from IBM. And that number was huge because if yeah. you have somebody who comes in and they wind up having a large organ, they work for an organization, you run the risk of losing uh, big dollars. Yeah, and IBM's so done a lot of, yeah, IBM's done a ton of work on that. In fact, there's a, um, I was doing some research uh, for, you know, today and, and just uh, I've got that big uh, pre-conference session coming up on Sunday. So I was looking for some fresh stats. Uh, the number actually 13%, it sounded conservative. Uh, this, these, the survey that I'm looking at is 54% of job seekers who had a ne negative experience would uh, have an impact on their decision to buy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so I'm guilty it, it, of it, it just yeah. like anyone else. Yeah. It's not that it's really part of what I like about human resources is that it's not really that hard to see the value of what we're talking about. You know, the truth of the matter is when you boil it down, we are all employees. We are all people. So this there's a you don't really need a, a crazy amount of Excel spreadsheet capability here to see how there's absolute impact with the way that businesses uh, engage with their their customers and their end users. Uh, it's really something else, especially with the way that the talent market has gone to basically nothing. Uh, it's a, it's, I'm, I'm excited to have Debbie on the, on the call just yeah. because yeah. she's going to be bringing so much more value to the big picture, I think, yeah. than you know, I, I know oh, yeah, than most people it, know. Yeah, I mean, most of us think of candidate experience as sort of good customer service, you know, be nice to people and do that. And there's just so much more, and especially living in a digital world. And that's where it crosses over. So she'll talk a little bit about the difference of, you know, where that, you know, used to be just design a, a nice, friendly uh, user interface. But then if you don't, uh, which HR is notorious for, they get these beautiful looking websites, they, they revamp their technology, and then they don't respond to people.
on a, on a frequent basis or you know yeah, if somebody yeah, has yeah. trouble submitting they can't get yeah. uh, you know, so we're going to talk about all that and that's uh, part of what the the uh, you know the delta cx is it's really uh, combining uh, the experience from first impression to uh, so I guess the last, uh, which hopefully is a good one. Uh, just a couple other stats, which will kind of be our segue to get in. And before I do that, I, I do want to thank uh, our sponsors, uh, Zor.ai. I uh, really thank them for uh, coming online uh, this month and uh, yeah. for the year. So we're going to uh, be talking a lot more about them. And uh, again, that's, you know, they're part of that candidate experience, uh, different ways to communicate uh, quicker, faster, more responsive and uh, success performance solutions. And uh, you'll hear about them uh, in a few minutes as well. Uh, so just a couple other stats that came up and, and I pushed this out as far as our uh, as, as far as uh, promoting the show this morning. And I do want to thank uh, Debbie. Uh, Debbie was a uh, thank Debbie again because she was a, a fill in. Uh, unfortunately, our, our the other guest we had is is uh, in Paris and somebody else who was a backup uh, is actually in the airport. So uh, so Debbie uh, was gracious enough to fill in and we've been trying to get her on this show. I interviewed her live uh, a couple weeks ago for uh, a LinkedIn Live. So anybody that wants to see it can go to my feed, LinkedIn Live. And uh, she's also did a lesson for my new course, um, Recruitment nice. Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. So Debbie and I talk uh, quite a bit. Uh, but for anybody who has a question, uh, you know, submit it to, you can either do it on our, the LinkedIn feed. I'm kind of monitoring that uh, even faster is put it in the chat on w4cy.com there's a chat button uh, and or you can actually call and talk to us direct 561-623-9429 that's 561-623-9429 so this morning um, last yesterday at the when we were sitting at the show in between events uh, I was looking up some stats, and again, these are are pretty shocking. And when I get Debbie's opinion on it, and this is why we're this is why it's so important. Forty five percent of job candidates, almost half, who do not have a positive experience before they apply, because most of the time when you talk about candidate experience, and this includes uh, the talent board. And we talked. I was surprised when we talked with uh, Kevin last uh, January. I think it was. Um, and we talked about it. They measure candidate experience from the time a candidate applies, which is important because that's where HR has notorious, notoriously been bad at it. Uh, again, applications come in or even the type of what the application format looks at, and then they don't respond or, or they don't offer feedback. Uh, a lot of things there. But the candidate experience starts way before that. And they're not as yet measuring that. So if half the candidates do not have a positive experience before they apply, 70% of them will share that experience. And 69%, again, almost seven out of every 10, will never apply again. Now, yep. that's before they apply. <laughs> so And the company doesn't know it. Right. So you know you, you, know, you know, I talk about this all the time. We know what the recruitment funnel looks like. And we know that in many companies, the candidate abandonment rate in the application is 50 to 90%. Now you throw this on. It's like they're getting like one out of every 20 people that is right. interested in applying. Amazing dropout. So that's what we're talking about. Um, let's get to Debbie. Uh, Debbie Levitt, um, new book. Uh, 
Delta CX. Um, she uh, initially, and Debbie will correct me, I'm sure, on this, uh, kind of lived in the UX world, which is a user experience, uh, and uh, you know has broadened that because it's much more because of uh, our, our technical world, our digital world. Uh, she teaches a lot of companies around the world. She's got a, a pretty impressive resume. Uh, she can share that if she'd like, or you can go up and uh, we'll have some of that on a link to her bio on on the website. Uh, but I want to get into Debbie because we got a, we got a lot to talk about. So welcome, Debbie, all the way from Italy. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. I hope my Wi-Fi holds out. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, well, we've been there. Uh, you know, I've got... Uh, <laughs> I was actually on a web uh, meeting with a web conference with a, uh, a prospective client this morning, and I've got uh, one gig uh, coming in, and they couldn't hear me at times. So, Ooh. yeah, it's like, why? <laughs> so so I'm, not, I'm not on DSL, not on wireless. I got a one gig Internet connection, and and it still goes in and out. So we understand. We've been there before. Thank you. Yeah. It's beautiful. And we're, gr- we're but, grateful because we get to add you to our list of international guests. Yeah. Yes, please do. Yeah, I'm so glad you're not. You're, you're, I wish you were close. I know you're going to be nearby uh, in a couple of weeks, but uh, over in the U.S. doing some work and, and some things. But, uh, yeah, it's absolutely uh, great that you're that you're in Italy and now we can add you to that list. <laughs> so, Debbie, um, yes. before we dive into Delta CX, let's go into a couple of things. Uh, you heard You know, you heard the kind of the the the, uh, the, the layup uh, that we gave you. Uh, companies talk about candidate, you know, customer experience. I mean, we're talking specifically about a niche of that, but customer experience, user experience. Um, you corrected me on this about two weeks, a week or so ago about the digital experience. Uh, kind of flesh out all these acronyms as, as people see them flying around. And then they, and especially in HR, if they say, you know, what's this have to do with us? So CX, UX, DX, yeah, let's let's do some definitions. And very quickly, hello to everybody listening. And uh, hi, I'm Debbie Levitt, and uh, you can learn more at DeltaCX.com. I've been doing CX and UX work for 25 years, so this is not new to me. And now let's explain what all of these X's are. So we've all we've probably heard somewhere about UX, user experience, and very often we use to define anything having to do with a screen. So uh, people using computers, laptops, uh, smartphones, now your your smartwatch, your Nest thermostat, your Tesla dashboard. So anything that is a screen of some sort, the people who are researching, architecting, designing, testing, and coming up with all these concepts and layouts and stuff, they work usually in UX. But then there was this other thing that kind of appeared and that was called CX and that's not candidate experience that's customer experience and that was used as more of an umbrella term to mean this is every single experience that a company that that a human can have with your brand or, or maybe a dog I haven't thought about it but maybe that some sort of customer is going to have with your entire company and brand and the example I like to give is if you're going to stay in a hotel room maybe you booked that room online and so the um, process of searching for that hotel room and choosing a price and uh, res- reserving it that was probably UX in a strict definition. 
But then when you got to the hotel and the way it was decorated, maybe the way it smelled or didn't smell, maybe the way the people treated you, maybe the way they smelled, all of these things are now part of the customer experience because they're away from screens, but it's still something that a company can precisely plan and architect and design that affects your experience and affects their perception of your brand. And then as for DX being digital experience, that's not really a word that we use very much. I know it's thrown around a little bit for people with the whole digital transformation thing as you're trying to move from paper-based systems to digital systems. But in general, that's not a term that we in the industry use. We are using certainly UX and then a lot of of us are shifting to CX as a, a broader umbrella term because let's face it, a customer's uh, interaction with a company doesn't only exist on a screen. Uh, it can, but in many cases, you're having other uh, engagements with that company, whether it's on Absolutely. social media, whether you've yeah. walked into their store. So to bring this back to the stats that Ira just gave, and I wrote them down as he was saying them, I want everybody to imagine for a moment that the 45% of people who had a bad experience before they even applied are people walking into a restaurant. Imagine you're walking into a restaurant you've never been in before. Plates are crashing on the ground. People are screaming at the bar. Somebody walking by holding a tray is pulling a mouse out of a plate of food. What's your impression? Oh my God, what is going on in this place? Oh, I'm in I'm New York. Yeah, exactly. I'm having I'm having a terrible experience. I haven't even ordered yet. I haven't even sat down. And this is already pissing me off. It's already scary. Uh, Ira knows my model, the four horsemen of bad CX. They are frustration, confusion, disappointment and distraction. And when you go into that crappy, I mean, oh, Keith, you want to talk about New York restaurants? I once had a sushi chef cut his finger and try to give me sushi with blood on it in New York City. <laughs> I know that sounds normal, you know, for New wow. York City. But, you know, so so what's my experience? And I haven't even eaten the food. And of course, I didn't. But but I, I think if we all imagined some of our websites and things like that as the real businesses we walk into every day, what if it were a gym? What if it were a restaurant? What if it were our child's school and crap is going wrong? as soon as we've set our foot in the door before we've barely done anything else. And you can imagine the four horsemen arriving, frustration, confusion, disappointment, and distraction. So when I hear you say 45% had a bad experience before applying, I think, okay, that's almost half the people who were already pissed off, didn't like something before they applied. And do we know, Ira, how many of those people or how many people in total then decided to apply? Or do we know how many people were like, F that, I'm not even going to apply? Um, I'd probably have to dig down into the stats if they even revealed that. Uh, okay. but, but just as a, I mean, just to be fair, what it, what it said was there was 45% uh, did not have a positive experience. So there, but there were, uh, and then there were, um, I think uh, it was a, a small percentage. It was a, a percentage of that, let's say half, uh, 25 to 30% had a negative experience. But it's important because there was only half, only 55% that actually had a good experience. If you don't, if you're in today's market, if you don't have a positive experience, why would I pursue that? I've got a job. I'm looking for a better opportunity. I've got a paycheck. 
Um, I included this. Uh, it's a new section. I, and I, I think I showed you, Keith, yesterday, uh, the other day, that slide talking about um, the, the job seeker decision path. And there are seven key milestones that a, a that a, a job seeker goes through. Uh, and this is from the cycle, you know, the psychology of it, the, the candidate behavior. And the first is I decide I make a decision that I'm going to look. That's a decision. It just it, it may be serious or maybe not, but it's a decision. And the next one is I start to look and I look at the company. And would I want to work for that company? And at that point, if the first experience isn't positive, why would the job seeker even continue on that path? Um, why, if, there, if it's not better than what I got, why would I stick, you know, why would I go down that rabbit hole? Yeah, if I can jump in here, um, and the reality is some people won't, and not everybody is a job seeker who is currently employed, certainly some people aren't, but we the main advice that I have for people, especially in the HR world, is go to your own system, try to find a job, and go through the application process. You can always go into the back end later and take out your own application, but do it twice. Do, the, do it the first time at your desk. Make sure you answer every single question. Make sure you upload your resume in a scannable format. And then I want you to do it again on your commute home, on the bus, on your iPhone 6 or right. whatever you've got. And, and we call this, in our world, we call this dog fooding. We call this eating your own dog food. And the idea is that a lot of HR people don't even know how bad their system is because they haven't even tried their own dog food. They haven't right. even tried to do this because if they did, even if they have no empathy, let's face it, most people have no empathy and they're not going to get empathy and that's okay. But most people, unless you're a psychopath, have sympathy. And I think that we can generate even sympathy from our HR buddies if they were sitting on a city bus trying to one hand this job application and every time there was some sort of essay question or something like that they had to fill it out and I would love to see how people respond to that to their own dog fooding Debbie let me ask you a quick question where we got right to the HR part of it because we're we're you know we're trying to help out on the HR side of things the people that you work with you know, are, are you finding a different target audience, so to speak, outside of HR? I'd like to think that you, your impression in the way you just colored HR comes from experience, which means that I have a similar experience in terms of they simply don't get it. And then you have to <laughs> almost, you have to bring out the crayons and, and the coloring book and go to the CEO and the CFO and say like, what you don't know that's happening is A, B, and C. You know, what's, what have you seen in terms of the people that actually want to hear about CX? Who yeah, I, uh, well, I mean, it, it's a lot of people in a lot of different ways, but I think that one way I would want to uh, address that question more directly is to kind of take a little curve and say, um, what tends to happen at a lot of companies, not just the HR departments, but other companies, and, and believe me, you can tell when you're using their apps and websites, is a lot of times companies will say, does it function? Well, if it functions, give it to the customers. 
And there isn't always huge regard for what the customer's experience was. Was this easy to learn? Was this easy to use? Could I accomplish my task quickly? We're all task-based and we want to accomplish these tasks quickly and efficiently without thinking too much. And so what ends up happening is whether HR created their own thing or you bought an outside system, very often someone says, well, does it function? Are resumes coming through? Then it works. Then it's good. And the reality is that that's an extremely low standard. You know, that restaurant we just talked about, is it food? Could you eat it? Or will you be glad you did? Two different stories. And so that's why I remind people that we must raise our standards because the candidates have higher standards. The candidates have higher standards than did this function. Did my resume go through the tubes and wires? There, there are higher standards, and I want to remind everybody, no matter what your job is, whether you're in HR, sales, design, architecture, uh, road construction, it doesn't matter. You are all customers of these, these systems that these companies build. And you are judging them. We are all judgmental. And your standards are higher than, than these companies are building for. And, and so part of Delta CX is about reminding every company out there that your customers have higher standards than you seem to care about. And it's about making sure we are connecting with these people. So for HR specifically, hypothetically, before you release another junky application to the public, find some people who will test it. Go out and find some stereotypical archetypal job seekers, have them walk through your application and, and have someone like me, obviously there's lots of uh, qualified people like me out there, have someone like me do proper CX and UX testing and determine where this thing is flawed. And Ira and I have talked about these a zillion times. There are many, many common flaws in these. And so these are problems that I see not just in HR, they're really everywhere. I worked it, I've done work for Macy. I've done work for Constant Contact. I've done work for uh, Oracle. I've, I've done work for uh, startups. And many, many companies, unfortunately, right now have a lot of mentality of, oh, my God, we need to go fast. Just get this out to the public. They'll figure it out. But I always see that as a giant middle finger. <laughs> That's a great way to segue into our break here, Debbie. <laughs> so, hey, you're listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. We've got Debbie Levitt on the on the the line today as our guest. Uh, we're talking about Delta CX or uh, the candidate experience or the customer experience. Uh, we talked about the four horsemen. We'll have uh, Debbie repeat that. Uh, we spent a little time uh, talking about the application, but I definitely want to get to the process before then. We talked about that restaurant experience, what would happen if you walked in and it was noisy and you found a bug in your food or a rat in your food, um, is or what blood. happens when, yeah, or blood on your, on your sushi. <laughs> uh, what happens uh, if you, you know, before you walk in the door, uh, the first thing you get is a negative impression because that's what candidates see. They go up to the reviews. They go to Indeed, uh, Kanunu. They go up to uh, to uh, you know websites, uh, Google, and they see you got a two star rating. That's before you walk in. You hear the people complaining. Chances are you're not going to go in. Uh, so. We are talking about the candidate experience today. Uh, you've got me and Ira Wolf, and you've got Keith Compagda, and we got Debbie Levitt. We're going to take a short break. Hear from our sponsors, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. Stay right where you are. We'll be right back in two minutes. <music> 
Behind everything you're searching for is something you're actually looking for. When you search with the real Yellow Pages, you get more than a contractor. You get a whole new curb appeal. It's not just getting directions to a dry cleaner with YP.com. It's rescuing an old favorite from the back of the closet. And it's more than finding a locksmith with YP.com on your mobile. It's getting to sleep in your own bed. Whatever it might be, there are more ways to search and more ways to find exactly what you're looking for with the real Yellow Pages, YP.com, and YP.com on your mobile. Only from AT&T. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chat bots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's XOR.ai. Hi everyone, this is Ira Wolf, author of Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. I'm excited to announce that my online course, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter, is open for business. This course is the culmination of a two-year-long project and releases recruiting tips I've learned after hundreds of hours of research, speaking with thousands of conference attendees, and interviews with dozens of experts. It's all available to you in Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. To receive more information or get started, visit our website at www.successperformancesolutions.com and click on the tab, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geezers and Googleization Show and Googleization Nation. I am your host, Ira Wolf, and I've got Keith Compagna um, on the line today, as uh, as has been uh, I know a couple weeks ago, uh, was uh, traveling a bit. And we've got Debbie Levitt all the way from Italy. Uh, we're talking about Delta CX, the customer experience, the candidate experience. Uh, Debbie, um, there was a question in the chat, and I think you said you wanted to kind of handle that. Yeah, and I also wanted to jokingly say hello from Italy, where Keith's last name is pronounced Campania. Yes, thank you very much. I have a funny story about that. Uh, not yeah. today, we're out of time. No, we're uh, out but, of Okay, so we've got a question in the chat, and it says, why, when filling out an application, do they repeat the same question in five different ways? Now, there's two answers to that, depending upon what those questions are. You know, Ira mentioned to me, and he's the king of assessments, and he said, if it is an assessment test, and uh, sometimes the same question might be asked in different ways, because that would help validate the answer. Uh, I do that myself when I'm doing CX and UX research. I might ask a research subject a similar or same question a few different ways just to make sure their answers are consistent or catch any inconsistencies. Now, if this is more about a job application, more of a straightforward job application and not an assessment uh, a test or, or uh, form, then I would probably say this could be, uh, obviously it's, it's bad. So the four horsemen have arrived. You sound frustrated. And it just sounds like that that could be something nobody noticed. I mean, if, uh, it's probably not exactly the same question, but I would imagine it's something that nobody noticed because I imagine people plug these things in and nobody checks them or tests them. How many times have you looked at a job application and, and said to yourself, did anyone even double check this? 
And so, and of course, in, in, in software and websites and apps, we always double check things. You know, we have QA people who test developers code, but somehow magically when we're putting these things out to the public, uh, especially with, with job applications, somehow these things never get double checked. People are so confident they've done it right. So to the person who asked the question, maybe you can uh, come back and give us a little bit more color or a follow-up question. But I would just assume that there might be a mistake and someone uh, didn't even check it. Or again, as Ira might be saying, they might just be trying to catch you up on something. Um, so guys, back to our other topic. Where were we? So, so uh, with that, and I want to thank Kevin, I just want to remind everybody else, if you do have a question, uh, put it up in the chat on W4CY.com, put it into the LinkedIn uh, profile, or you can also call us 561-623-9429, 561-623-9429. So, Debbie, um, we talked about, uh, you know, we get to that application, um, you know, and I've talked about that, you know, infinitum. Uh, we're, we talked about why it should be a two-stage. Two you can ask all these questions. I think going back to Kevin's question, just on a real simple thing, is if you ask for the resume, don't ask them to fill out the complete application. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, or don't ask, don't ask for my resume and then ask me to fix the parsing of it or don't ask me to re recreate my resume in a bunch of text boxes, especially if I am one-handing this on a phone on the bus. Right, which is where most people start the application. So, you know, we always talk about having that short, uh, very easy application, maybe four or five questions, which you don't even need their name. Uh, you need a way to contact them if they need to have a four-year education or a college education, if they need to be licensed in the state of New York, if they need to be able they have a passport to travel to Italy to see Debbie. Um, whatever screening, it is, what, just screening. Yeah, what are the questions? What are the four questions? If they answer no to any of those questions, then why bother collecting the rest of the information? I know people are going to come up with a million excuses why, but it's not necessary legally or functionally to be able to acquire the, the street address of their employer from 14 yes. years ago. Just yeah. stop it. Yeah. Oh, and you don't even know, need to know my street address now. First of all, you won't be able to pronounce my street address now. But right. second of all, it's not even important because when they ask for my street address now, that already feels almost like a breach of privacy to me. I feel like I don't need you to know my street address until we are signing an employment contract and you need to know where to send the right. checks. Yeah, but before, exactly. that, there's, before that, there is so much stuff about me that shows up on these forms that you absolutely don't need to know. And the and I can tell you from inside the universe that a lot of times this comes from a stakeholder or a, a business analyst or sometimes a marketing department or, or, or sometimes the HR people who say, but we really want to collect this information. And the joke I always tell is there's an old Monty Python sketch. I'm a big fan. And they're, they, a guy wants to get car insurance, I think it is. And he has to fill up like a 55-gallon oil drum with urine. And so he goes to the in insurance guy and he's like well I brought the you know the barrel of urine and the insurance guy goes oh my god throw that away and the, the customer goes what don't you want it don't you even test it and he goes no we ask you to fill that to make sure you're serious about wanting insurance which is goes to the application so I hear this all the time we we get so many applications from unqualified people um, if we have a shorter application we're going to get even more of that that's not a function of the the application is not a screening tool. 
It's a selection tool. It's basically acquired the information. And most of the information that's on an application has nothing to do with qualifying anybody. The, their, their name, their address, their city, their state, the, the phone numbers of the previous employers has nothing to do with if they are qualified to do the job. So they ask all this information and it's like, well, if, it, if they're not willing to sit down for 30 minutes and fill this out, I don't want them. Well, good. All right, how's that working out for you? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, basically these days. So we, we can we can tear apart the application, you know, all day long. Uh, but there's 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 some real simple things. And, and uh, you know, to Kevin's point, who asked that question about asking the same question five different ways. Uh, don't ask for the resume and then ask the person to type it all out again in an application right. form. There should be a way to to, uh, disc- you know, to to be able to differentiate that. So let's go back to the beginning. Um, so I'm looking for, I'm looking for a better job. I'm frustrated at work. You know, I I just listened to this podcast and they told me all the good things I should be (laughs) looking for. Uh, and I hear about somebody says, you know, you should check out this company. So I go to the company and, uh, you know, the first thing I might check out is what the reviews are. Uh, and you know, let's say they got four stars. So I'm interested. And then I land on the site and now I'm at that restaurant that we talked about. What are what are some of the the things that uh, good examples? Let's not, you know, we can probably go all, on on all day about bad examples. What are some of the really good examples that you would say when somebody lands on the site? This is these are the rules. These are the the five fundamental rules. And I know four of them are don't don't uh, do the four horsemen. <laughs> <laughs> so what what are the good things that they need to do? Yeah, and I don't have a list in front of me, so I'm riffing, but I would say the first thing is if people really are hitting your website fairly cold, then the first question is, can they even find your career section? Because sometimes it's buried under about us, or sometimes it's buried under our company, or sometimes it's buried under something else. And sometimes it is exposed. Sometimes it's it's obvious to find. Sometimes it's only a link in the footer and nobody put it in the header navigation. So I might be getting a little technical there, but I would say step one, can people even find the career section? Uh, And people say, oh, well, they'll search for it if they want to find it. You know, again, you are assuming a lot about people. You're assuming they're going to do things you won't even do. You're assuming they have a lot more patience than you even have. And so put on your sympathy hat and remember that people don't like to think. They don't want to spend time and they don't want to figure it out. Just remember that next time you open up a box from Ikea. So I would say step one is can even pe- can people even find easily, not eventually, easily the career section on your site? Then probably step two is What information is there? Is there a job list? Is there a job search? Are these searchable and sortable based on how many you have? Do you have other information on your site about uh, what it's like to work there? Many people are building career websites that talk about the culture. They've shot videos with people who work there. They've shot videos with new people to the company. They shot videos with veterans at the company. And it just gives you a vibe of what's going on at this place. Uh, They've got pictures of people at meetings or retreats or whatever. So did you build out something that gives people a feeling that they could belong there? We are still humans 
Web pages are not black and white newspapers. Did we build a site that, sure, helps them find the job so that they can apply? That's the ultimate path we want them to take. But did we give them a good reason to do it? Did we teach them about who your company is, what your values are, what you stand for, who you hire, uh, what you're committed to? Give us a good reason to fall in love with working for you. You know, I think sometimes HR imagines, well, all these candidates, you know, they're auditioning for me. They want to work for me and I'll have my pick. And I remind people that audition goes both ways, that that people are People are checking you out at every step. The, the What your website is like tells them something about who you are and what you care about, and then the interview will. So so those are two uh, yeah. early things. Uh, yeah, did so, you want to jump in? Yeah, well, one is it's not 2009. 2009, 10, 11, yeah, there were a lot of people out there, unemployment rates 9%, and people just needed a paycheck. So they, they might have put up with it. But at three, you know, in the U.S., uh, three, 3.6 unemployment, uh, there are many reason, regions where it's well under that, and especially for uh, skilled labor where it's probably it's, it's well under 2%. Uh, people have choices. Yep. They're looking for a better opportunity. They, there is no patience that they've got to apply um, for a similar or worse job, <laughs> work for yeah, a similar and- worse company. And ultimately, and I know Keith wanted to ask me about like some of the motivating factors that can get stakeholders and the people who write the checks to help HR improve these things. And it, ultimately, we don't want our company to be the company people apply to because they're desperate. You know, we, we don't we don't want to be that kind of last choice. You know, who remembers applying to college and talking about your safety school like the school you're pretty sure you could get right, into right. if all else fails? We don't want to be the company that people go to work at if all if you know, we don't want to be someone's last choice because let's face it, that's not going to be a dedicated worker. That's not going to be a long-term worker. And that's going to be a worker that uh, is going to flip and your company's going to burn a lot of time and money onboarding, possibly training and having to bring that person on only to watch them leave in what, a year or, or whatever. They're going to count the days when they get there. So th- these are a few key things. Uh, and then again, back to the other thing, just uh, making, you know, test your own website, uh, try using it, you'll get people in, get someone like me to come and run these tests, who can take a look at these things and give you an audit of the candidate experience. Ira and I have talked about that. Auditing. Yeah, well, we have our quiz. We have our, yeah. we, we did our candidate experience quiz. We did, and many people did terribly. And, and so, uh, we have to remember that uh, you know, oh, there's another thing. I interviewed someone in my book who works with uh, people with disabilities, and she said her company, uh, her company, it's not even a company, it's the state of Oregon, uh, her state uh, group that she's part of just brought in a new HR system into their uh, department and their organization. And even though people who work there are blind and disabled, they picked a system that doesn't work for the blind. And, so, well, and let me let me just emphasize that because I, yeah. I did talk to I talked to a couple of attorneys because there was like a, a handful of attorneys that were at this conference because it was a legal conference, um, legal and benefits. Um, one is last week there was a case that and, and again, it fit in line exactly what you're talking about. Uh, there was a case that was turned down by the Supreme Court. Uh, so there's no ruling on it yet. Uh, and it was uh, for dominoes. Yeah. Um, but apparently they're not alone. 
no. that there are people that are are basically you know suing for the lack of accommodation. Um, but then the following day, I got a notice from Dish Network, or not from Dish Network, but about Dish, um, that they settled for a million and a half dollars for someone because the uh, application did not accommodate their disability. And let's so, talk about that for a moment because yeah, I looked and, and, up and a we, list. And, and, I, and I know you can give long answers. It's going to sort of be short because we've got like seven minutes left. <laughs> I'm going to go short on this. If you look up a list of, of disabilities that uh, apply under the ADA, if you're in America, you will see stuff on there you didn't even think of. When I looked at that list, I saw cancer. I saw depression. And a disability is anything that affects your sight, your hearing, your motion, your cognition, your memory, uh, your thinking, your speech. And so when we talk about could someone who's blind order a pizza, so usually the no empathy, no sympathy responses, ah, have that person get someone else to help them order a pizza. But someday, if it ever happens to you, poo, 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 hopefully not. But if you are ever in that situation, you will eat your own words. Because what I find is that people who are disabled, for the most part, want to be as independent as possible. They do not want to have to call somebody every time they want a pizza. And the same is true for your HR system. So at, at Sheila's work, when people want to put in for time off, they have to ask somebody to help them fill out the time off form because they're blind and the form doesn't work for the blind. That's incredible. So, real quick, we got a question from Kim. Um, I own an online uh, clothing company. How can I get people to leave a review? People don't really leave reviews unless it's a bad one. Um, so I, I think there's a couple parts of that. But uh, Debbie, what do you feel about, um, you know, obviously there, you can add, you, you know, sometimes you have to ask for it, make it prominent, uh, put a rating system up there that they can have a thumbs up or a thumbs down. At least that's a start. Um, I know there's um, uh, software such as like Hotjar. Is it Hotjar? No. What's the? There's uh, one that you can put on some coding, and it it it, it pops up a uh, like the feedback that people can comment on the experience. Um, is you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, but yeah. it sounds like Kim owns his or her own uh, cl a clothing company and probably right. has a website where this clothing is for sale. And right. very often my advice to those people, even though this has nothing to do with HR, my advice to those people quickly is probably take off your ratings. Because if, if everything you're selling on that site is yours, do you sell any one-star clothing, Kim? Is any of your stuff crap? And so the problem is the ratings may not be relevant or helpful. They may actually be a distraction for horsemen showed up. And people might say, oh, this is a four-star item. This is, a this is an item with no ratings. It must be bad. And I, so sometimes I find that entrepreneurs who have their own sites and have these ratings on there because it came with their e-commerce package or whatever, um, it might actually be a negative distraction because, let's face it, do you sell anything that's crap? Well, if you do, take it off your site. Yeah, so or, or that, do a follow-up, have, have a quick survey afterwards. How was the experience? Yeah. It was, it didn't work right, out. so Did what's the point time? of it? Yeah, well, right. because because people take these reviews seriously, as you know from all the HR reviews. And so I, I would say that for a, an online e-commerce site, in some cases, some of these ratings aren't needed. Um, if they're not comparison shoppers like we all are on Amazon, then, and the ratings are, you know, it's, it's different. Right. But this is not totally HR. So I want to get back to you guys because I know we only have a few more minutes. 
Yeah, so uh, I think we just set a record for going through fast and, and me not getting through 90% of the questions I wanted to ask you, but that's, <laughs> that's expected. Uh, so Debbie you've been listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. We've had uh, Debbie Levitt. Debbie, uh, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, you? I know you blog. I mean, you're all over the place. So what, what, tell them about your book and how they can get a hold of that and, and you. Yes, absolutely. I am very findable on LinkedIn as Debbie Levitt, D-Delta, E-B-B-I-E, L for Levitt, E-V, Victor, I-T-T, two T's. Um, you can find me there, heavily photoshopped, no, lightly photoshopped. Uh, g- follow me there. Um, you can also look up deltacx.com and you can learn more about my company and my model. And the model is all about how we can transform our businesses to care more about customers. And we claim we care about customers. We claim we're customer-centric and then we just don't freaking do it. So my model is going to tell you about how we can do that. It's really centered upon how we can hire the best CX and UX people and start putting better stuff in place for all of our customers, whether those customers are paying, whether they're internal, whether they're candidates. These are all customers in one way or another, people we could do business with. So check out DeltaCX.com. There's a link there to the new book. Uh, The book's available on Amazon for Kindle and paperback. I think that's most of the places you might find me. Yeah, your, your paperback, uh, just I, I don't know if you knew that, I went up to actually get a hard copy because um, I, just so I have it, and it's actually out of stock. So No, I, it's not. Uh, okay, let me explain that quickly. It's uh, So what happened was I changed the size of the book, and oh, Amazon... Okay let me amazon wouldn't let me change the size of the book so i had to put the old size out of print if you search on amazon and the paperback says out of print just search again and pick the other one oh, okay and we'll, I know we'll get that well good for I other people that they know yeah that. I'll, I'll send i'll send you guys the link um and i'll so yeah that's um that is uh a weird thing that's amazon that's bad ux the four horsemen have showed up but i promise my book is in print search a little bit more Okay. And Excellent. for everybody out there, great. She interviewed lots of people, including me. So um, I don't know if I'll put myself into great people, but he interviewed, we had a good interview about assessments and, and so forth for UX. Um, but uh, there's a chapter on empathy. And we talk so much about this and putting the human back in HR or the, the human uh, back, yeah, the human back in HR because of, of all the technology. And uh, as you, were, you said several times today about empathy in this whole process. So critical, you would have never thought it would have been a UX book, but it is, and um, I, I think that's remarkable. It's a great interview, and uh, then also the one about the accessibility. So, yeah. Debbie, thank you very much. Again, we we flew through this. Uh, as <laughs> I, I don't know why I had any expectations different. That would be able to do that. We'll get you back. I know you and I will be communicating great. often. Um, Keith, any, like, you got 10 seconds, final words. No, Debbie, thank you so much for pronouncing my name correctly on the internet. C-C. <laughs> so, C-C. Yeah, and I even spelled it right because I blew it the other day. Uh, thanks again, everyone, from Googleization Nation. We're always interested in hearing what's on your mind. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, if you want to be a guest or you want to be a sponsor or you just want to share your thoughts, let us know uh, how what, what's going on. Uh, don't forget to join Googleization Nation. You can connect with me or Keith on LinkedIn and Twitter. You can go up to the uh, website, geekskeezersgoogleization.com, and sign in. Uh, thanks again to Zor.ai and, S- and Success Performance Solutions for uh, being in our sponsors. Uh, join us next week, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, w4cy.com, or you can catch us on any of the podcasts, Apple, Google, iHeart, SoundCloud, Amazon, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Until next week, don't let the shift get your plans. (laughs) 